Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of What in the World. My name is Jake Lee and I am your host of this podcast. And in this podcast, we dive into how God is building his kingdom around the globe and here for me locally in the Milwaukee area. Um, And we specifically look through uh, the lens of Elmbrook Church, uh, which is a church that uh, has been privileged to be used by God um, for many decades now, um, specifically in this world of mission and spreading his kingdom. And today we are going to dive back into an interview that I had posted a while back with part one uh, with Stuart Briscoe, who was uh, the lead pastor at Elmbrook for quite a bit of time. And he was a man that God really used to help grow Elmbrook Church, but also really to help Elmbrook develop its missional DNA. And if you've listened to other parts of this podcast, you know that Elmbrook started with a missional spark. Um, that initial heartbeat. And Stuart, I believe God used to really fan that initial spark. And we talked about that in my last interview with Stuart. So if you want to go back and listen to that, you can, where we talked about this heartbeat of wanting mission and giving to mission to be such a critical and central part of our church and how Stuart really tried to cultivate that in his early years at Elmbrook and then throughout. But then today we're going to pivot in this interview a little bit to something called the Lausanne Congress or Movement. And if you don't know about it, we're going to obviously talk about it in this episode, but it's something that you should definitely look into because this is one of the more important things in the last hundred years or so when it comes to world mission and how do we work together as a global church. And particularly today, because we have entered an era in mission history where it is no longer what we, people used to call the West sending to the rest of the world. We're really, we're at a point in church history where it's everywhere to everywhere. There are places that are looking to outpace uh, America, for example, in sending missionaries. And this is um, a trend that we see actually throughout the church history that when one group of people that has been given the gospel that has the church is failing to reach uh, where God is calling them to, other parts will step up. And we're seeing this, and it's actually a very beautiful thing of seeing the global church reaching everywhere to everywhere. And that includes sending missionaries back to us here. Um, We have people no longer just that we're sending out, but people that are being sent to us. And that's part of um, this era of the church history that we're in. So yeah, that's part of the reason why I think this Congress and this movement, the Lausanne movement is important to look into because this is where a lot of that discussion globally really hit a critical point and has continued to be one of the big leaders in this conversation. But now I would really like to move into our interview with Stuart. But right before that, we're going to listen to a cultural blunder. And this cultural blunder isn't from Stuart. It's actually from some of our most recently sent out field workers, uh, Lene, Caitlin, and Alyssa Polson. And we're specifically hearing from uh, Lene, uh, their sisters that we have sent out to Brazil. And what we're going to hear from is actually Lene sharing a story when we, uh, we being Elmberg Church, sent her as an apprentice to India, and she's gonna share some of the mistakes that she made um, along the way, which if you've listened to this podcast, you also know that we talk about cultural blunders because I wanna normalize making mistakes because that's part of what it means to cross cultures and to be on mission with God. I really hope you enjoy it. I enjoy getting this message from her and she shared about the mistakes she's made. And you're also gonna hear a lot of birds and insects and that's actually real noise that's coming from the jungle because like I said, they are currently in the jungles of Brazil serving as some of our field workers. So I hope you enjoy this cultural blunder. 
So when I went to India for the first time a few years ago, they sent a driver from the hotel to pick up my friend and I. And it was the first time that I had ever gotten into a vehicle in India. So I handed the driver our luggage and went and hopped into the passenger seat of the car and closed the door. And he came around the side and was gesturing at me to get out, get out, please get out. And then I realized that I was sitting right in front of the steering wheel and that the seats and roads are switched the opposite direction in India. And I had to get out and go around the other side feeling pretty silly. And another time in India, when I had gotten to the point that I had learned the language well enough that I thought I was able to converse with people, I went into the maternity ward and there was a new mother sitting on her bed holding her baby. And I went up to her, pointed at the baby and said, your goat is beautiful. Your goat is so cute. And everyone started laughing. I didn't know why until one of the girls translated what I had said back to me. And then I felt terrible and was like, I'm so sorry. But yes, that was a language faux pas of mine. But now taking it to a specific um, time period. So we're seeing Elmbrook grow and ramp up its giving and mission, seeing people trusting in God, stepping out in obedience. But then we have something called the Lausanne movement happen. Could you just talk a little bit about how that influenced Elmbrook and what was yeah what was the involvement at that point for us as a church? Well, the the the, the Lausanne movement was it was not a movement at first. It was a group of people under the leadership, among others, of Billy Graham, mm-hmm. John Stott, and people like that. Uh, they they decided that the 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 evangelical church is a cross cultural missions ministry was burgeoning, uh, and they they felt a conference, an international conference, allowing people from the, the developing world, I think we called it the third world in those days, um, to to speak to the uh, the developed world. Where, where most of the impetus for missions had been, and uh, and see what we could learn from each other, and uh, and that was held in Lausanne in Switzerland, a be- beautiful, mm-hmm. uh, be- beautiful part of, of of Europe, with which I was familiar because that was where I was doing much of my ministry, in uh, in German speaking Europe. Oh, okay. And. Um, uh, and so we were invited to to go to that to that conference and uh, it was a fascinating time not not least because in, in addition to meeting church leaders from around the world and getting in really at the uh, at the ground ground level of of uh, burgeoning relationships between the developed world and the developing world but also i i had met many many people former uh, f- f- former co-workers, etc., from all over Europe. Oh, so, wow. so it was a grand reunion as well. We we were often running because we we knew so many of these um, many of these people. The thing that I, I came away with from the Lausanne conference, the first one, 
was was basic was was basically an adage. I think it came from the first conference. The whole purpose of the whole church is to take the whole gospel to the whole world. I think that was the motto. Although I must admit, I haven't been thinking about this for quite a long time. Yeah. <laughs> the whole purpose of the whole church is to take the whole gospel to the whole world, hmm. and, uh, and and really, uh, as as I remember it, the, the, the much of, much of the teaching in the in the major sessions, where where there were, there were a few thousand people at this conference. Um, well, was was talking about the whole purpose of the church, mm-hmm. uh, and then talking about well, what exactly is the whole gospel, and if the whole purpose of the whole church is to take the whole gospel to the whole world, how how are we going to go about that? And uh, that touched uh, many salient salient points, and it was immeasurably uh, mind expanding and mm-hmm. heart heartwarming uh, to be there. The second Lausanne conference was held, I, I don't know, about four years later, I think, and that was in Manila in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. I'd been to the Philippines on, on a number of occasions by, by this time and had very good friends there, so this, this, was, uh, this was another union of, of friendships and, and colleagues. The, the the second one, as I remember now, I, I wouldn't be definitive about this, the, the, the second one became more contentious, mm. the, the, the Lausanne Conference number two. And the reason for that was that the, 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 the burgeoning leadership, young, young leadership, all of whom practically had been trained by people from the developed world, were were now spreading their wings a little bit, and the the ones out on the uh, out on the edges of their their grow, growing movement uh, really really wanted the developing world out of there, mm-hmm. and nasty words like colonialism, used in a peroni- uh, in a pejorative per- per- sense. Uh, began to be hurled around, and there was quite a lot of tension. Uh, there were many of the people who'd actually trained these young people, I think, were, were deeply hurt uh, by, by this. Mm. Uh, the, many of the younger people were were, were very angry uh, because they thought the, the, the missions were just operating the way colonials had operated. Now, being being British, I I didn't think colonials were all bad. In in other words, I I yeah. I, I was always surprised at, at people who'd been trained by people from the developing world in institutions formed by the developing world. I I, I was always puzzled why they would sort of uh, try to get rid of them as quickly as possible. And, and as I th- thought, the Amer- Americans saw it differently because that's precisely what they'd done with Britain. Mm. They, 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 they'd recognized what they'd done that was valuable. They'd benefited from their schools and their institutions and their governments and et cetera, et cetera, but wanted them out of the way. It's yep. a little, little bit like teenagers le- leaving home and they love their parents and they're grateful to their parents, but they just wish they'd go away. 
and uh, and so that that was part of the Lausanne movement at that time, and it it took some wise some some wise heads from the developing world and from the old world, led particularly by John Stott, mm-hmm. um, to to write the the boat on that thing. Then they they had. Then they had a third and a fourth, mm-hmm. I think the third and the fourth. From my perspective, having been at the first and the second, um, it, it seemed to me that it was losing steam. Uh, and then it was diversifying and uh, and regaining steam that way, but not in the large conferences that it had been hitherto. And so when when the, the third, certainly the third one, and I think the fourth one came along, we were invited to those, but we decided not to go. I was just too too busy, so I, I sort of lost touch with what was going on there. Yeah, well, and I will say that for um, the most recent one in Cape Town, Elmbrook was involved. You weren't able to go at that point, but we did send multiple of our staff. I know this yeah. is before my time at Elmbrook too, but sure was still heavily involved and then even a few years ago we've actually brought the head of the north the american um, part of lazan movement uh, michael o spoke at a harvest fest and then we're hoping to be part of the i guess the next one whenever that comes up this is going to have another one why in the world In this section of the podcast, we look at the reasons and motivations behind what we do. Why do we care about the Great Commission? Why do we care about reaching people for Christ? Why do we sacrifice? And in this story, we're going to focus on someone named Dan. Dan was a simple public school teacher who started attending Elmbrook Church when he heard about Harvest Fest. During the first week, he heard from an Indian pastor, Thomas Samuel, who began to describe unreached people groups. We would define unreached people groups as people who have never heard about Jesus and never will have a chance to respond to the good news of his death and resurrection unless someone comes to their country. The speaker also spoke about the sacrifices and suffering with which missionaries go through to reach people in situations like this. This idea was completely new to Dan. He had never considered that there were people in the world who would live their entire lives and never once hear the name of Jesus. He was also inspired by the efforts and lives of field workers that had gone out from Elmbrook, leaving behind careers and families to live and serve among the unreached. Their courage and sacrifice compelled him to do something, but he wasn't sure what to do. He wasn't an upfront person who was going to speak in front of large numbers of people, and he didn't feel the call to be a missionary himself, but he felt he needed to do something. This led to Dan being convinced that he needed to give. He needed to give and pray toward this task of reaching the unreached. And I want to reiterate the fact that Dan was just a public school teacher. Dan did not come from wealth. But he and his future wife-to-be made a decision that they wanted to give half the proceeds of their house to the Elmbrook Harvest Fund. And they know that they are still not called to go, but they knew they are called to do something. And they are called to live a life of sacrifice. The house was never his, it was never theirs. And to give this portion of the house seemed a small sacrifice compared to what Jesus had already done on the cross. God is inviting each of us to find a way to participate in his greater mission. We may not all go, 
but all of us need to give something sacrificially. This has been Why in the World. It was before COVID. Um, they were deciding this one was going to be virtual, not just one singular location that you'd have sites all over the globe, which at the time seemed really cutting edge. And now after we've done COVID, it's like, well, yeah, we can do that. Basically, yeah. <laughs> so that's the plan. But the point is, is to continue expand and getting more and more voices at the table. For me, it's exciting to hear how you and Elmbrook was part of those um, from the very beginning because, yeah, they were contentious. Um, especially the second one. And these are still things that, like, as I'm taking seminary classes now, people are still grappling with. What is the role of the Western church? What is the role sure. of the, the the global south, that part of the church that's emerging and becoming the leaders now? And I've never thought of it in the perspective of where America, you know, we took things from England with that colonized the area and then kicked out the parents, which is an interesting way to look at it. Sure. But... I do think there there is some truth in that for sure. And it's like what an normal thing for an adolescent as you grow up to want to become your own, to want to spread your wings and fly. Yeah. And even in some of the classes I've taken with perspectives, like this idea of as churches mature to be more and more independent, but still you'd like to see that relationship with, for example, with a planted church, with the missionary, or just in a global sense with the developed and developing world have a strong relationship, mm-hmm. but still allowing them to spread their wings and realizing they have stuff to offer us as well, which is a big part of the Lausanne sure. movement and stuff. Yeah, well, we've, we've come a long way in that, in that regard. We've got first-class uh, international leaders now. Yes. Uh, <coughs> in, in, many, in many ministries... Diversification is big in the secular world, and and the in the church, particularly the global church, diverse this kind of diversification is uh, is being recognised, and as a result, there's been mobilisation of of outstanding leadership from the developing world. Correct. Well, no, that's been a huge thing, and obviously for the what was the quote. Um, would you say the whole purpose of the whole church is to take the whole gospel to the whole world to accomplish that you can't just have one area sending to everywhere you need which we throw this term around in the mission world everywhere to everywhere now mm-hmm. where you are seeing this massive shift and this growth of the global south just sending out droves of missionaries where we're expecting very soon for that to overtake the sending that is coming from america right now uh, to bring the gospel to the ends of the earth So for me, I had a lot of fun just sitting down and having this conversation with Stuart. And there's still one more part that's going to come out, uh, part three of this interview. Um, But I wanted to just kind of take a look back on what we just listened to. And for me, the thing that sticks out the most is really this idea of the whole church needs to take the whole gospel to the whole world. And this idea, uh, I I love it because it, it involves not just one small section of the church, but the big C, the big capital church the entire globe, the full body of Christ, bringing not a part of the gospel or some twisted gospel, but the whole gospel, a full expression of Jesus to the world and the kingdom come. And that we want to see it go to every single inch of the globe. 
um, to every person to have the opportunity to hear about Jesus and his death and his resurrection. And it was great to just talk to Stuart about kind of how he viewed the Lausanne conferences and how they shook out. And I mentioned that Elmbrook is hoping to partner with Lausanne 5, um, which uh, I mentioned was virtual before COVID. So they were cutting edge, not so cutting edge now, but still, um, they're always trying to see what is the next thing we need to do in mission. How do we need to adapt? How do we need to change? Um, and so that's something that I would say, keep your eyes open for, um, because that I think could be a very important uh, turning point for the church. Uh